Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Posted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we are on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local, you will dial 702-650-5588. Again, if you'd like to join in on a discussion, have a praise report, uh, have a prayer request, we'd love to hear from you locally, 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you as well. That toll-free number would be 800-366-8883. Again, if you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you, 800-366-8883. We are being heard on the AM and the FM dial, KKVV 1060 AM and then 101.5 FM. We're also being streamed live video and audio on KKVV's website, which is www.kkvv.com. Hello and God bless. I just waved to you. And we're also being streamed live from Save the Lost at All Costs' website, and that web address is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, you can go to our website again, www.savethelostlv.org. Look for the date that you like to listen to. The gospel is always free on our watch, so listen as much as you like as the Lord leads you, and please tell someone else about this wonderful gift from the kingdom. We're also being archived on iTunes. Uh, that's an Apple product, right? So just look for us there. Save the loss at all costs. And again, it's always free on our watch. Now, you can call in to KKVV and listen on your cell phone. You can listen to Christian Talk Radio, Las Vegas' number one Christian Talk Radio station, by dialing on your cell phone. one Five six three nine 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 thirty one ninety four. Again, try it. Put it to the test. I'm going to give you the number again. One five six three nine 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 thirty one ninety four. It only works inside the United States. Okay, so you know who I am. You know who you're listening to. You know where you are, and we need to get started. But I'd like you to keep Brother Vernon in prayer. Vernon's not feeling well today, and we pray God's speed, and we'll heal him from his head to his toe. In Jesus' name, we love you, Brother Vernon, and I hope to see you next Sunday. And I hope to talk to you during the week. All right? So our topic for today is, Who is the Greatest? It's the new year, 2017. I want you to have a blessed one. We made it. You know, God is still on the throne. So I want to put that question to you. 
who is the greatest? Well, the disciples wanted to know that. And so let's uh, look at that. And we are going to go to the book of Matthew. And we're going to look at chapter 18. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. And I'll be coming out of the New King James Version. But I want you to know in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus has been transfigured. And there were only a few of those who were able to witness that. So all of them had not witnessed Jesus' transfiguration. So now we're going to go over to chapter 18. And now the disciples have some questions. So I want to make sure that I let you know what was going on right before that. And uh, to open your hearts and minds even further to what the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you about today. Our question is, who is the greatest? Again, we're in Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to look at the first five verses. So I'm in the New King James Version, and the Word of God says this. Excuse me, I have a little tickle in my throat, so I'm ready to get to it again. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Verse 2. Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them. Verse 3, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 5. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. So I want you to start thinking about that. Who is the greatest? So let me take you back to a time where this little child existed. So education, it began at the home. And parents would teach a child. And Jesus' Bible was the Old Testament at the time. That would be the foundation and the stone for Jewish education. And a child would have to know Hebrew in order to study the scriptures. So we have a child's beginning, his education is at home. And it's the responsibility of the parents. Now we talk about synagogue study. That would happen about six or seven years of age. And they would be sent to what we considered elementary school. The synagogue was in every village and they all had their own synagogues. And if people wanted to study further the males, then they would go to uh, like a college and that would be where the great rabbis you know, would teach. And their main focus at that time would be for the students to know the oral traditions. They would have to be able to know that. That is what the Jewish custom was at the time if you're going to go up to higher uh, education. Then you have to learn a craft. A father was responsible for teaching his son how to do an honest craft. And we know Jesus' earthly father uh, was Joseph, 
and uh, Joseph taught his vocation, which was carpentry. So I want you to kind of understand how uh, education was working. And, and this is a, a small child here. And but also at the age of 12, a Jewish boy would be uh, recognized as the son of the inn, which is a var mitzvah. And it entered upon and had the privileges and responsibilities of an Israelite. So they would actually go into uh, the temple and they would actually go and see Jerusalem. And the temple was, you know, that where they were could hold probably about 200,000 people. So that was a huge thing for a a Jewish child coming of age. So I want you to kind of understand, you know, where we are when we're looking at a child. But I believe that the child that Jesus is speaking to um, is a a very young child. And, And I believe that I have some scripture that will probably support that. So let's go to the book of, uh, Mark, and we're going to go to chapter 9, and then we're going to look at verses uh, 33 through 37. <clears throat> Again, our question is, who is the greatest? And the disciples are asking Jesus this. So we're, we're going to break this thing down. But let's look and see about some greatest things, okay? It's, it's coming up again. This is a, a discussion that's coming up again. So again, we're looking at Mark chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 33 through 37. And I'm in the New King James Version, and the Word of God says this, verse 33. Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? 34. But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves Who would be the greatest? 35. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all, and servant of all. 36. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, verse 37. Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Wow. You have to catch that in the spirit. This was Jesus. Verse 37. It says, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me Receive not me, but him who sent me. And that would be the father. Amen. So now we are going to uh, go back to Matthew. We do have a caller. Caller, I see you. I just want to continue with this reading uh, briefly and then we'll pick up the call. Amen. And we appreciate your patience. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 20 and we're going to look at verses 20 through 28. Again, we are going to the book of Matthew. I'm in the new King James version and Matthew chapter 20 and I'm looking at verses 20 through 28. Verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons kneeling down and asking something from him. 21, and he said to her, what do you wish? 
She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. 22. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. 23. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left, it's not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. 24. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. 25. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. 26. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. 27. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We appreciate the caller's patience, and we're going to take the call. Hello, you're on Save the Lost at All Costs, and God bless you, and thank you for waiting. God bless you, my sister. I was calling to see if you needed a reader. <laughs> oh, well, praise God. Well, we're going to have some more reading going, coming on, so I appreciate that. And um, why don't you take us to the book of Galatians, and we're going to go chapter 2, and I'd like you to read verses 11 through 16. Again, we're going to Galatians chapter 2, and I'd like you to read verses 11 through 16, please. Okay, Galatians chapter 2, reading from the New King James Version, starting at verse 11. 11. Okay, down to? 16. 16. Yes. Verse 11. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Verse number 14. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of a Gentile and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? 15. We, who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. And 16 knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, for by the works of the law 
no flesh shall be justified. Amen. So the question that we're putting forth is who's the greatest? Now, when we looked at Matthew 18, we read the first five verses and the disciples had came to the Lord and they wanted to know who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. So he being Jesus would use persons and objects to teach lessons. In this particular instance, he used a small child and he sat the child in the midst of them. So which means that the child was in the middle and they were all looking around. So there's an unbreakable circle, if you will, and the child is in the midst. Now, children, small children are totally dependent. Now, woman of God, you're a mother and you're a grandmother. So when you have a small child, infantile, if you will, uh, toddler age, they are totally dependent on their parent. They need shelter. They need food. They don't come here with any knowledge of themselves, of where they are, of who you are. So all this has to be learned. And children are very teachable because, woman of God, I know that God has gifted you with the ability to teach children, too. If you don't mind me explaining that to the listening audience, I hope I didn't step out of line there. No, ma'am. So the thing is, is that babies, when they come, They're here to be loved and they're here to be cared for. So the thing is, is that in loving God, in loving Jesus, we have to be like those babies. We have to be teachable. We have to be pliable. And we have to be obedient because a small child doesn't know rebellion. They don't try to gang up on other babies they love babies they don't know anything about color they don't know anything about denominations they don't know anything about social economics they don't know anything about language what they do know is that they are dependent and we should care for them and not take advantage of them and they're very trusting They don't try to fight you when you're teaching them something. They're very thankful. And when you look at that, and that's how we have to be in the kingdom, if we even want to attain greatness, is that we have to have a servant's mentality. We have to have a desire to be a servant. And this is what the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach. Now, in a worldly society, you know what's important? Politics are important. Might is important. Uh, money is important. Uh, you know, you and I talked earlier, uh, sorcery, uh, people pretending to be something that they're not. And they put on uh, false and all types of props and pads and layers and it would want people to think that they're important. They look at their education. They look at, you know, who they know. And we even find this going on into the house of God. Now, imagine if this is happening in our homes as we are raising children and caring for teach children. But what does that do? That pits a brother against a brother, a sister against a sister, a mother against a daughter, a father against a son, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins. Now you have this all out war. 
you know, when people marry, when children are born or when people uh, go home to be with the Lord, a lot of times that's a very stressful event. Events and those should be loving events, you know, people getting married, babies being born, people who are believers that are going home to be with the Lord. You know, it's unfortunate that it becomes very stressful because there's a lot of factions and there's a lot of dissension. And then we have this in our own houses of God where you have denominations against denominations. You have uh, preachers who are trying to knock other preachers. You have all this competition, if you will. And the thing is, the conversion has to be in your heart that you decide to be as a child and a child as this stage is easy to instruct because a child is humble. A child doesn't know about pride. It hasn't even entered into their heart. But when you are grafting your home to be that of a worldly status, then all that competition, that matters. All that clawing. All that one-upmanship. And that has no place in the kingdom. Not at all. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, what are we building houses of? Are we building houses to, to run races and see who can get to the finish line first? Well, that has nothing to do with the kingdom because it doesn't matter when you come in. What matters is that you come in and that you have the right heart and that you know that Jesus is ahead. So when we look at what we read in Mark and in Matthew, and I do want you to to comment, sis, we see that this was still happening, you know, even after Jesus had gone. Because now we look at Galatians, right? And we see that we have a Paul and we have a Peter issue. But Paul was strictly with the gospel and, you know, called them all out. And he didn't do it to make them look bad. It's like, you got to understand the seriousness of this. We have to be on one accord. We are here to make disciples. And we cannot make disciples because the word Gentile in that particular uh, context only means not a Jew. So there were many people who were not born a Jew. That that was just a word that they used, Gentile. Uh, it, uh, you know, Greek. And Gentile, that word was interchangeable at that particular time. So we have to understand, we have a responsibility. That's why I talked about education. We as parents have a responsibility. Then when they go to school, but if you're not given the right foundation, if you're not laying it correctly, as Jesus sat down his disciples and laid it down and he told them, you know, that you will have a baptism. It's not my baptism. Because they weren't aware that he was going to be crucified. That's why he told them they couldn't drink of the cup. However, if they are to have any honor in the kingdom, as far as elevated to his status, it would be the father's will. It would not be his will. They weren't, they shouldn't be concerning themselves with that. Because the thing is, is to be converted, woman of God, and to stay converted. How can we stay converted if we have a spirit of competition? So I would like to hear from you, and I appreciate you letting me speak. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hello, everyone. Um, When we talk about um, when when you began to open up in your introduction and you talked about the schools and how in the Jewish community, 
the parents took their children to the synagogue and and at certain ages children had to go in and learn. In the book of Exodus chapter number 20 um down to maybe verse number 16 it talks about the 10 commandments. Amen. I believe that the father as our father and we as his children can learn from the Ten Commandments and how we train our own children. I believe that if we as parents begin to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and to follow his instructions, then we too will be parents who will be able to instruct our children. So if God tells us to have no other God before him, then we need to teach our children the same thing. If God says, you know, do not covet your neighbor's wife, your his her husband, or any other thing, then if we yield to that principle and that command, then we should teach our children the same thing. And so then that way we would be raising up a community of people who fear and honor the Lord with reverential respect, not for themselves only, but for their neighbors and the community by which we live. Amen. And and at this particular time when we have these children, because small children can learn. You know, I have a grandson that uh, I had the pleasure of bringing in the new year with, and he's uh, 17 months. And when you tell him things, his vocabulary is not there, but his comprehension is there. And you can instruct him to do things, and he can do those things. But as far as his articulation, that will come later. And I and I thank God that the understanding is there first. Amen? Yes, ma'am. And then the articulation can come later because we can always teach a person how to pronounce something and what, you know, present tense, past tense, what have you. But the comprehension is important because it's building character. And for you to be a servant, you have to have a certain type of character. That's why Jesus used the child. What is corrupt about an infant child? What is corrupt about a toddler child? Nothing. They they are devoid of pride. They are totally humble. They're childlike. They want to please so much. They're loving. They're trusting. They're kind. Their laughter is pure joy. When you hear a child laugh, it, it, it will break the hardest man down because it comes from such a, a pure place. And it's important. And if we want our churches to be more loving then we have to get back to the point where the servants are more childlike and i don't mean immature i mean in their ability to be obedient to to wait on the lord to not self-promote themselves see when you're a child there's no self-promotion you're not even concerned with your name you don't tell people your name. You don't tell people, well, you know, I'm baby so-and-so. And, -so, and uh, for the last 16 months, I've been, you know, learning my ABCs. And, you know, matter of fact, my zip code is over here. And I got this in my college fund. Children don't talk like that. Those small children, those, those things are not what they're interested in. Nor do they even concern themselves with that. Well, you know, I have, um, I had three children, but I have an eight-year-old boy and um i know that 
when I sit down at the table to teach him his um, biblical principles, his math, his reading, science and social studies, he'll sit and he'll listen. But I also notice that when I just hug, when I just touch, when I give him a hug, when I give him a kiss, when I hold him in my arms and, and sing to him, when I just look at him, when we are just walking and holding hands, he there is a different response that I get from the academic teachings, which I think is very, very important. But I also believe that the touch, the love, the eye-to-eye contact, that type of um, interaction is also teaching how to be a caring um, person. Amen. I, I think that's a great attribute of a servant, and I think that is needed. Uh, and we're talking about getting into the kingdom. So it's very important that we get this because we could do all these works. We could have all these titles. Uh, we could have built all these things. But we have to be able to understand what is important to Jesus. Now, what's important to man is not what's important to Jesus because it's his kingdom. Amen. Amen. See, it's not your kingdom. It's his kingdom. And this is where we want to end up. And we cannot get to him by our own means. We need to understand that he knows when a conversion has taken place and when it hasn't taken place. He will not be fooled. So it's important that we understand what this looks like. So we want to go to the book of Mark, minister, and we want to read verses 13 through 16. So it'll be Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Again, Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. And we are going to see how Jesus feels about little children. Amen. The book of Mark. Chapter number 10, verses 13 through 16, 16, New King James Version. Then they brought little children to him, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. 15. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. 16. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. You were just talking about touch, so I hope that that blessed you, woman of God. Yes. (laughs) And the thing is, is that a lot of us are new in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this happens to be, you know, a small child in reference to chronological age. But there are a lot of us who have not come into the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are lost And there are those who knew and for whatever reason are just distracted with our own life and our own self. And then we have those that have, you know, totally fallen to the wayside. But for those, the name of the ministry here is Save the Lost at All Costs. And some of the 
people that God has sent me to talk to and witness to and love on are those that don't have a relationship with him. And it says here, when we're looking at verse 13, it says, then they brought little children to him. They meaning us, his disciples. Amen. Amen. That he might touch them. See, not that we might touch him, that he might touch him. Amen? Amen. Because we are in his tools. We are his instruments. So that wasn't for them to do at that particular time because they were still new in what they were doing. Amen. They hadn't completed their discipleship. They walked with them for three years. So they're very new into what they're learning and what they're witnessing. See, there's a time to be taught. Amen. Yes, ma'am. And then it says, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Wow. Here they are learning. Walking with Christ, yet they are upset with those who have brought the children in. Can you imagine, woman of God, somebody brings people to us to minister, to love on, to witness. And we as the servants are rebuking those who brought them in. Mm. So a lot of times that's happening in our own homes and that's happening on our own houses of God. People are being brought to be pushed out. And the ones that are doing the rebuking are the ones who allegedly are walking with Christ. Amen. Amen. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, see, that wasn't pleasing to God. And I hope people get this in, in their spirit. Their people do not dismiss them because of their chronological age. Do not say, well, you're 40 years old, you're 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. Uh, my father wasn't led to Christ until he was 85 years old. And I thank God for it. And my father was a learned man. He was an attorney. Had even uh, argued at the Supreme Court in the state of California. But still didn't have that type of relationship with the Lord that he needed in order to have eternal salvation. So I thank God that I was able to witness his conversion. Amen. Amen. And shortly thereafter, uh, he went to be with the Lord. So I thank God for that. So it says here, let little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. 50. Surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And then he says 16, and he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them and blessed them. Can you imagine what that looked like? That was tremendous. And for those children. So, you know, this is a great season to minister. This is a great season to serve. But we have to serve in a way that the Lord needs us to serve because then we're representative of the kingdom. There's no hypocrisy because we saw the hypocrisy that was going on in Galatians that you read for us. And, you know, Paul and Peter were having a discourse, but they corrected it. Amen. Amen. So that's the beautiful thing is that there's nothing wrong with being corrected in love. That's what a rebuke is, to be correct and disciplined in love. 
because we need that from our Father. Do not take offense with that. It could cause you not to be in the kingdom. He's very clear here. What is the greatest to him is humility. Because then you're childlike. And you can receive what it is that he has for you. And a lot of us need to go back to that. To when we were able to receive things. But a lot of people, woman of God, are too busy out there deflecting and projecting. And not understanding that the reflection that you see is you. But it doesn't have to stay like that. We can prepare ourselves, our hearts, and our character. Because at the end of the day, it's not what you say. It's what you do. And they both have to line up. Or else there's a big contradiction. And he knows our hearts. So it's important that in order for us to serve, that we have to have that need to understand the greatest thing to him is humility. And we have to have that constant connection with him. Because when we have that constant connection with him, then we want to be obedient Because the word tells us obedience is better than sacrifice. And if all we're talking about our calendars and, you know, our money and our time and that's of no consequence to him. That doesn't mean anything to him. It makes people very uncomfortable when you have a me, 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 me attitude when you're serving and you say that you are a servant of the Lord. It's just not going to hold up. It's going to be very uh, difficult for people to see the genuineness in you, to see the spirit that you claim that you have, uh, because you can't have the Holy Spirit if you're not serving in spirit and in truth. You can't even worship unless you worship in the spirit and in truth. So this is very important that we get this lesson. Now, uh, we need to do some more reading, but you had something you wanted to say, so I'd like to hear you speak, please. Yes, there there is a scripture in the book of Matthew that says that... Um, Will you take it to us, please? Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 6. It says, okay. it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I believe that we as uh, people of God need to have a hunger, and a thirst for righteousness. Um, If not, then we will not seek God. We will not turn our face towards him to learn at his footstool about how to be a godly parent to our children. Then, uh, because... Let me give a testimony. When I when I got when I finally received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, my daughter was around seven or eight, and she's now twenty one. And God had me. He was homeschooling 
I was homeschooling her. He was homeschooling me because as I was teaching her, he was teaching me first. And as he was teaching it to me, I was then giving it to her. And each time we went from one grade to the next grade, he was taking me higher. But each time that I said, God, I don't know how to do it. How do I raise this girl child to be a woman? How do I raise her in the things of godliness? How do I do it? And so the more I asked him how should I do it, the more he taught me how to be it, and then I was able to walk and show her. So I believe that we as people have to have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And also, uh, also uh, the scripture talks about how in the house of God there are going to be two types of um, people. There are going to be the wheat and the tares. Mm-hmm. So everybody in the house of God is not of God. Amen. But God said, let them all grow together. And at the end, it will be him that sends out his angels to, you know, separate the two. Right. So um, I'm coming to a place where I'm understanding that, that everybody is not going to come to the narrow way and be learned of God. You're you're quite correct, and the scriptures support you in that. So we're going to go to the book of Colossians. And most people are familiar with chapter 3, and we want to look at verses 12, and we want to read through verse 17. So you're going to go to Colossians chapter 3, and we're looking at verse 12, and we're going to finish at verse 17. And again, our question today is, who is the greatest? Okay, New King James Version, mm-hmm. Colossians chapter 3, verses number 12 through 17. 17. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. 14, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. 15, and let the peace of God rule in your heart to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It says whatever you do and all that you do for the Lord Jesus Christ and give thanks to the Father. That's prolific right there. That's prolific. Because that covers any and all things, right? Yes, ma'am. Amen. So we're going to go to 1 Peter. We're going to look at chapter 5 and verse 5. 
We're looking at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. I think I pulled this one out for you, Minister. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. New King James Version, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you. Be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Isn't that wonderful how you can get grace in just being humble? Hmm. Isn't that just a heavenly jewel? Man, I just, I'm hoping the listeners really get these nuggets. They are just so full of just eternal blessings amen so we're going to go to the book of micah and we're going to look at chapter six and we're going to look at verse eight again we're going to the book of micah we're going to look at chapter six and look at verse eight please micah Mm -hmm. chapter six Verse 8, New King James Version of the Bible. He has shown you, O man, woman, boy, and girl, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you, man, woman, boy, and girl, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. See, in exegeting that particular verse, um, it says that people have tried all kinds of ways to please God. But God has made his wishes clear. He wants his people to do what is just, love mercy, and walk humbly with him. In your efforts to please God, examine these areas on a regular basis. Are you fair in your dealings with people? Do you show mercy to those who wrong you? Are you learning humility? So that's why it's so important when we teach these young children to model Christ. We have a responsibility to these babies. We have a responsibility to make sure that we make sure even if we should be called home that they're still going to continue and walk with the word of God. And if we're not laying the foundation and if we are constantly operating out of character but claiming the Lord you confuse your children you confuse those that you are leading to Christ you confuse those that you are serving on his behalf and we know that the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy and that he is the author of confusion and he's the father of lies so it's important That we really, really get this lesson on who is the greatest. Now, let's go to the book of James. We're going to look at chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 6. 
We're going to the book of James, chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 6. Please. James, chapter 4. Verse 6. Verse number 6, the New King James Version says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How much more grace does he give? More. Can you imagine? We need that. I don't know who doesn't need his grace. I need his grace. I I could not be here living without it. I could not have been able to serve. I could not even have salvation without his grace. And he says he'll give even more when we are humble. We ought to be thanking God for that. A lot of people say, I want more of this. I want more of that. Well, this is a way that you can get it. Who can survive without God's grace? Who can survive without his mercy? We can't. No, we can't. We're going to look at Proverbs. We're going to chapter 22, and we're going to look at verse 4, please. Proverbs 22 and verse 4. Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 4 in the New King James Version says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. What do you get? Riches, honor, and life. And that life would be eternal life, right? Yes, ma'am. Because if you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, if you believe that heaven is real, you have to believe hell is real. And there's a place that people are going, either one, but it's our choice. Amen? Amen. I'm telling you, this humility is the greatest. I hope that this is becoming apparent how great humility is and how much that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will reward you. Now we need to go to Philippians. We're coming down to the last few minutes. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 5 through 11. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 5 through 11. We're coming down to the wire. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Yes. King James Version says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Verse 9. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Ten, 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. Eleven, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. We're going to take another caller at this particular time. God bless you for your service today. Uh, Minister Parham, we appreciate you and we love you and you bless me tremendously. Thank you, sis. Okay. Love you more. All right. Love you. Amen. Bye-bye. Hello. You're on Save the Lost at All Costs and God bless you. Oh, God bless you. Um, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Amen. I agree with you. You know where that is in the Bible. Thank you. I heard your, when you first opened the show, and I understand, uh, Yeshua said to Pilate, when Pilate asked him what is the truth, he, he said it is the law of God, the law of Moses is the truth. Amen. But you were, reading, that, and, you were reading in Hebrews when uh, uh, you talked about faith, chapter 11. Yes, yes, thank you. You you know the Bible better than I do. I, I appreciate your teachings every every week, and and uh, God bless you so much. God bless you more, and thank you. I couldn't have done it without you. Iron sharpens iron, so thank you, brother. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Move forward, Christians. Amen. Move forward. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate that exhortation. Thank you, brother. All righty, bye-bye. Amen. Well, we were blessed tremendously with... You know, what is the greatest and the greatest is for us to be childlike, to be converted with humility and stay converted because we need that type of heart. We need that type of character in order to do God's work. Amen. We got the lesson straight from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank you for being with me 2016. I'm so looking forward to serving you in 2017. And as we say here. Don't forget, Jesus loves you and save the loss at all costs. God bless you and goodbye. It is our humble prayer that the most high God of all creation and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit-filled, live-called-in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 101.5 FM. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. 
All donations made to Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.